A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got some awesome stories of malicious compliance, and our first one's by Rentacle. Client wanted me to escalate the issue. Yesterday, I got an email from a client complaining that they can't log into our software. He sent me a tiny blurry screenshot, but I figured out that the problem is they can't connect to the machine where the software is installed. A common issue for users, but very much not my problem. For context, my company sells software, but it's installed on the client's hardware, and it's the client's responsibility to ensure that the machine with the software is running, it's accessible from their private network, etc. So what I should have done is tell them there was nothing I could do and tell them to contact their own IT support. However, and this is entirely my fault, I tried to be helpful. This is a new client and he seemed like a decent person if not very tech savvy and this kind of issue usually has an easy fix. So I replied, hello client, the software is working fine, the issue is you're not reaching the machine. So there's something configured incorrectly on your end. Can you please check that in the settings the IP address is so and so? Can you check that the port is 34567? Can you check that this option's turned on? Please do this and let me know if it solves your issue. I couldn't do these things myself because I don't have access to the client's PC. However, it was literally three things I told him to do and I sent him screenshots and a step-by-step guide on how to open the settings menu. Five minutes later, he replies that he's done that, it didn't work, and to fix it ASAP. Now, users always lie, and I get the feeling that he didn't follow my instructions at all. His reply was too quick. Also, 99.9% of connection problems are caused by the IP or port being wrong. And the other 0.1% are the weird esoteric bugs where you need to call in senior developers. So I ask the client to please send me a screenshot of the settings panel to double check as I'm pretty sure he never even opened it to begin with. The next email I get from the client is extremely angry. He says the settings are fine, no screenshots, that this is a huge issue because he's not able to work, and if I don't know what to do, he wants the issue escalated immediately to someone more skilled. He's also CCing my boss and my boss's boss, which pisses me off. Not because I'm in any trouble. My boss is great, but I'm a senior team member, and somehow my male coworkers never get people questioning whether they know what they're doing. So I do as he requested, and I escalate the matter to the highest authority, which is to say the head of client's IT. Said person is a lazy incompetent who most likely configured something wrong, and now might take a week to get around to fix it. I make sure to CC client's boss as well. I flag it as urgent, etc., etc., I also tell IT guy that the client already checked the settings and so he should run this and that time-consuming diagnostic tests. With some luck, he'll do that once he gets around to reading my email sometime next week. Of course, I didn't bother sending the email to the general IT team address, so there's no chance that some lowly help desk person will fix the issue in a timely manner. It's been 24 hours so far for something that could have been fixed in 10 minutes. I definitely feel OP's frustration here, but would you guys agree with me when I say this all really is pretty much OP's fault? If the client calling in on the other end knows a little bit about computers, they probably could have figured it out. 
but OP kind of overstepped their boundaries hoping that this person knew how to operate computers and just had the wherewithal to navigate any kind of software. If OP had just sent it to their IT team and let it be, none of this would have happened. So do you guys agree with me that it is just all OP's fault? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Juan More Time. He told me we didn't have to see each other, so I didn't. A few years ago, I started seeing this guy casually. We both explicitly agreed when we started that we weren't really looking for a relationship. That went on great for a bit, but a few months in, things started to get ambiguous. He started acting really inconsistently. Sometimes acting and talking like we were in a relationship, and sometimes ignoring me or getting really flaky. Now personally, I wasn't actively looking for a relationship because I had a lot of things to focus on at the time. But I wasn't opposed to it either. I was good either way. So as long as I knew what was going on between us, in hindsight, the ambiguity was itself a red flag that I should have taken at face value regardless of relationship status. But hey, we learned best through experience and I didn't realize it at the time. So after a few weeks of him seesawing back and forth particularly hard, I had had enough and decided to talk to him about it. Honestly, I was fine either being casual or in a relationship. I just couldn't tolerate being in between, and I wanted to set up boundaries. When I tried to ask him about what he wanted to do though, he blew up. Basically tried to convince me it was all in my head, that I had made up his behavior. When I pushed him for clarity on what he saw us as, he responded that, we're just two people who see each other when they feel like it, nothing more. Clearly not what he'd been communicating before, but I did ask for clarification, so I get what I get. If he had said it without the gaslighting, I probably would have been okay with it, but at that point, I was ticked off. So I said okay, talked with him for a few minutes, led him to the door, smiled goodbye, then closed the door and never saw him again. He probably thinks that I ghosted him, but I know all I did was accept his terms. We were just two people who saw each other when they felt like it. It just so happened that after he blew up at me about the whole thing, I didn't really feel like seeing him. He did end up messaging and calling me a few times since then, asking to hang out. I answer, but I'll never see him. I don't feel like it. I definitely feel like people who end up in these kinds of not-relationship relationships can sometimes find trouble navigating through it because I feel like when that kind of thing goes on, it's hard not to catch feelings at some point if you like keep seeing this person over and over and keep being that close with somebody but like never having it be a serious thing. Our next story is by Akemi Murasation. Good luck with all that work. So I, 28 year old female, a supervisor, have been doing a lot of work for my manager. I mean a lot. I asked other supervisors what their manager expected of them and realized that mine expects a lot more out of me than others. I work an average of 3-5 to hours of overtime a week and even if that doesn't seem like a lot, I have a family and I go to school on top of a full time job. So I asked, if the standards she wants me to meet are company standards, then why am I the only one being held to them? And if they're her standards and not the company standards, then why should I have to meet them? I told her this morning that I didn't appreciate her attempts at subtle mockery and jabs at my work and how I do it. This is coming from the woman who thinks that coaching a person for a mistake they made should be all about the bad stuff because adding anything good to it, which is one of the most successful ways to coach people, is nonsense, was not appreciated. If she had an issue with how I did things, she can tell me like an adult. So later on today, she sent me an email and CC'd our OP's manager on it titled, 
These are the things I expect of you as my supervisor. Lo and behold, 33% of the things I've been doing for the last three months aren't on that list. You guys probably know where I'm going with this. Behold my compliance. I now refuse to answer any of her messages or calls outside of work hours because my list of expectations doesn't require me to. I'm also no longer doing that extra 33%, which is part of her job that she had me doing. Summarizing the coachings I give my agents into a perfectly set up paragraph so you only have to copy and paste it? Nope. Recreating forms from scratch so they're more presentable? Absolutely not. Working extra hours to help you keep up on work so the company doesn't yell at you? Never again. I am great at my job. Before they rearrange the teams. I had another manager who loved me and I always kept her on time with everything and looking good. I love this type of job. I have 6 certifications in coaching on top of 80 credit hours into an education specialization, partway through a business specialization from an Ivy League school as well, and working on another certification. I'm more than qualified and more than capable of doing all this work. I just won't be doing any more of hers. If she wants to be this way, that's on her. I know this is a run-of-the-mill compliance, but it feels great. Honestly, I feel like OP's situation here is what anybody stuck in that position would want to do regardless. Bless OP for going out of their way to do the work, the extra work I should say, for them all that time. But like if I was in OP's shoes and I knew it wasn't part of my job description and I was answering calls off the clock and doing extra work that the person above me was supposed to do themselves, I would get sick and tired of it real fast regardless of how that person was actually acting. They could probably be just about the nicest person in the world and I wouldn't want to be doing the extra work on top of my own just because. This next story is by Red Miracat. Sometimes you should just be happy with how someone else does it. This is my mother-in-law story that she told me right after my husband and I got married. She and my father-in-law got married fairly young back in the 70s when it was still normal for the wife to do most of the chores at home. When mother-in-law did father-in-law's clothes for the first time after moving in together after the wedding, father-in-law stated that this, that, and the other was not done correctly and asked if mother-in-law could do it his preferred way, i.e. the way his mother taught him. Mother-in-law, wanting to be a good bride, tried to do it the way father-in-law said, but father-in-law came back with more notes on how his laundry wasn't done correctly. Mother-in-law then asked father-in-law to show her exactly how to do the laundry. So father-in-law goes to the washer and puts everything in and does the laundry step by step. When the washer was done, father-in-law shows mother-in-law how to do the dryer. When the dryer was done, shows her how to correctly iron everything. Mother-in-law says, perfect, now that we know you can do your own laundry, I can get the rest of the housework done. Almost 50 years later, she has never done his laundry. I could be really wrong about this, but to me it seems like... At least from my experience, laundry is one of those weird things that when you're in a relationship, one person just ends up usually doing the laundry more than the other. Like regardless of the situation, if you hear somebody who's in a committed relationship or married and they say they do their laundry separately, it's kind of like a surprising thing, isn't it? And our final story of the day is by DarkCloud1111. Pizza shop owner told me not to show up after 10.15, so I didn't. This story took place a few years ago, but I just remembered it after passing by the shopping center this pizza place used to be in. Background information, at the time I was working for a window cleaning company and was paid commission. 
I got paid a fraction of whatever I cleaned. At the beginning of the day, we would be given a list of jobs in an area and drive around until everything was done. Usually the routes were somewhat random, meaning it was rare to get the same route twice in a row. Most routes had a large number of restaurants that had to be done before they opened. So usually we would have to plan out when to get a job based on what time they arrived so we wouldn't have to backtrack. The route in question will be called Springfield, but this route also had two small pizza places in the next town over, Shelbyville, that were always included because the company didn't have any other jobs in that area and Springfield was the closest town. Both of these jobs didn't usually show up until around 10.15 to 10.30, so I would often have to save them until all my other restaurants were done before making the 15-minute drive over. There also wasn't enough work on this route to justify sending two people, so whoever had it was by themselves. To the actual story, so one morning I'm driving out to Shelbyville and stop at my first job around 10.20. The job's cheap, consisting of about one big window and a door. However, the lights were completely off and no one replied when I knocked, so I left to do the other job in the area before returning around 10.40 to see someone's inside. At that point, I get my stuff out and start cleaning the outside, only for the owner to see me and come storming to the door. In a very angry voice, he starts asking me what the heck I thought I was doing. When I explained that I was cleaning the windows, as if it wasn't already apparent, he yells at me and says I should have been there earlier, to which I told him what the time I was originally there, that the lights were out and no one answered when I knocked. The owner assured me that he was there, but that he just likes to sit in the back office with all the lights out, and next time I should knock harder. Lastly, before I left, after he refused to pay for the outside I'd already done, he yelled that, If you can't be here before 10.30, don't even bother coming at all. The malicious compliance. It was around this time that back in Springfield, my boss had picked up another restaurant that was about 10 times more expensive, but had the same issue of people not showing up until around 9.45 to 10 o'clock to allow me to clean the inside. This meant that every time I had this route, I had to pick between a job that cost $10 or a job that cost $100. I picked the more expensive one. Because this new place was so much bigger, even if I did the outside before they got there, it would still take me at least 20 to 30 minutes to finish the inside. Because of this, I wouldn't even start driving out to Shelbyville until almost 10.30. As a result, I took what the owner said to heart and stopped showing up. Also because of some weird twist of fate, I ended up getting this route multiple times in a row. So this guy hadn't been cleaned for 6 months straight before someone else eventually had to do it. It became even funnier for me as, during those 6 months, we picked up a dry cleaner right next door to him that I would clean while staying just out of sight of the pizza place. It also somehow slipped past my bosses that I hadn't been doing this one job as it never came up. When my coworker went to go clean it, the owner apparently thought we'd have gone out of business or something, as he hadn't seen us in so long. Shortly after, he cancelled service altogether, then went out of business maybe another two months after that. I mean, all I know is if you're going to have a service come to your place of work, and their work is contingent on you being there to let them in, maybe you should make it a little bit more obvious that somebody's actually there, and then not being a jerk when they understandably don't think anybody was there. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. 
Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.